always enjoy preaching on Father's Day. I like to be an encouragement to fathers. Being a father is an awesome responsibility. Having the responsibility for leading a wife and family is an awesome thing to deal with. With all the forces working against a godly father in our world today, the task can be a, a bit overwhelming. It is hard enough to live for Christ as an individual in this world, battling Satan and a sinful world system and our own sin nature. How much more daunting it is having the job of raising godly children, helping a wife to become all that she can be in the Lord and having the responsibility for those things. I am glad that I can tell you this morning that God has provided help for fathers and actually for all believers when it comes to living the Christian life by providing a supernatural helper that we read about a little while ago there in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit of God. Romans 8 isn't the first place that we have teaching concerning the Holy Spirit. Uh, We find the Lord Jesus in the upper room the night before his atoning death, uh, prepared his apostles for his departure by promising to send them the Holy Spirit to be their, their helper. Uh, we read in John chapter 14, verses 16 to 18, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he, he will give you another helper, another helper of the same kind, that he may abide with you forever. If you have the old King James Version of the Bible, it says comforter there. And sometimes when you hear that word comfort, you think of somebody coming alongside of you and you're having a rough time and kind of patting you on the shoulder and saying, no, no, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. I like the word helper that uh, we see in some of the newer translations because not only does the Holy Spirit of God encourage us, give us assurance, but he really does help us. The Greek term that's used here is as it comes from the two words, para and kaleo. Put them together, you get paraclete, not parakeet, paraclete. Uh, it means one who is called alongside to help. And I, I picture trying to lift a heavy weight, and you just can't pick it up yourself. And you have somebody else that comes alongside and, and grabs a hold of what you're holding on to, and they help you to pick it up, and then you can carry it. That's what the Holy Spirit of God does for us. Jesus sent him to be our helper. He's called alongside to be our helper. It goes on, it says, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. Jesus said, I won't leave you on your own. I will come to you. And he comes to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Where we find this passage emphasizes the triune Godhead, the unity of the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, but yet a complete unity. And we find that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. And as he comes and dwells within us, he also brings the presence of Christ into our life, the presence of God into our life. 
In John 14, verse 26, a little further on down that passage, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Then in John 16, a couple chapters over, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. Holy Spirit always glorifies the Lord Jesus. He doesn't attract attention to himself. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Here in Romans chapter 8, we find the Apostle Paul seeks to encourage his readers towards victorious Christian living by telling us of this same helper that God has provided for us. And in this great chapter, Romans chapter 8, this great chapter about our security in Christ and our growth in Christ-likeness, the Holy Spirit is referred to 19 times. Fathers, you probably have felt someplace along the way, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I've got good news for you this morning. There is help. There is help. That's the Holy Spirit of God. Each Christian here today probably has had the feeling in their life, I I need help. I I just am not strong enough to live the Christian life on my own, to understand all God wants me to be and to be all that God wants me to be. Good news. God has provided our help. No father is a superman. But the good news is we have supernatural help. Christians are not super people but we have supernatural help. And that supernatural help that we have is the Holy Spirit of God. In the passage that was read a little while ago, Romans 8, verses 5 to 11, we read three things. First of all, we read of the great contrast between those who really have the Holy Spirit as helper and those who do not. We also read about the certainty that we can have that we can possess that we have the holy spirit as our helper is he really there for us do we really have him uh, is he available to us and, and then thirdly we'll see something about our glorious condition when we have the holy spirit as our helper first of all we see a contrast here uh, of those who have the holy spirit as helper and those who do not the contrast is between those who walk according to the flesh and those who walk according to the Spirit, and Spirit there would be capital S, talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul talks, first of all, about some who who walk according to the flesh. And when he talks about walking according to the flesh, he's referring to a a person controlled by their, their sin nature. He's describing an unsaved, unforgiven, unregenerate person. If a person doesn't have the Spirit of God, they're not a Christian. They they don't really have Christ as their Savior. Uh, As a person controlled by sin instead of being controlled by the Holy Spirit. 
living a continuing lifestyle dedicated to the flesh, setting the, their minds on the things of the flesh. Well, what are the things of the flesh? It has to do with centering thinking, affections, and will on the affairs of this world and of, of this life. A mind set on pleasure, a mind set on materialism, a mind set on selfish pride and self, a mind set on what I want and, and concern about, well, what will others think of me? It, it's all about self. This is the mind set on the flesh. And, and the unregenerate person has a mind that, that is set upon the flesh, set upon self, well, with self in the middle. And we find that uh, look, looking at these things as being most important in life and really putting God down the list of what's important in life. It's living for myself and for my satisfying my sin nature, living for my life right here in this world, for the things of this world, loving this world. And uh, we put God down the, the, the road. And, and when we live that way, we find that over in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, it describes the kind of things that come as a result of that kind of living, that kind of an approach to life, walking according to the flesh. It talks about the works of the flesh, and it says the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the works of the flesh. That's what shows up in the life of a person who walks according to the flesh. And I might emphasize that things like envy and, and contention and selfish ambition and outbursts of wrath are, are pictured here as being just as evil as murder and, and adultery and things like that. It's all sin in God's eyes. And we find that it, it produces death. Verse 6 here in Romans chapter 8 says, For to be carnally minded, that word carnal means is flesh. It's the same Greek term, sarks, that's stuck in here. It's talking about being fleshly minded, carnally minded, and it's all connected with, with death. The, the ultimate end of fleshly thinking is, is death. What's the Bible say in, in Romans 6, 23? The wages of sin is what? Death. Talking about death. It, it's being spiritually dead while being physically alive. In Ephesians 2, verse 1, it talks about the way that we come into this world we are dead in trespasses and sin. We're spiritually dead. To be dead means to be separated. Physical death, separation of the material, immaterial part from the material part, separation of the soul from the body. Spiritual death is to be separated from God. We're not connected with Him. We're not close to God. We don't have a relationship with Him. And eternal death is to be separated from God forever in a place called the lake of fire or a place we call commonly hell. So being, we find that the, the end of, of fleshly thinking, being fleshly minded, is death. And such a mindset 
indicates spiritual deadness and eventually leads to being eternally dead, leads to eternal death. And, and in fact, they have this, this mind that loves the world and the things of the world, the thing that's all, wrapped up in, that's all wrapped up in me says that we are hostile towards God because we're in a battle. God wants us to recognize that we're created beings and he's our creator and we're created to have fellowship with him and we're created to serve him and we're created to live in a relationship with him. And when we're living for ourselves, there's a battle that's going on because God's trying to get our attention. And we're at enmity with him. We're hostile towards him. We're at war with God. Oh, what a wonderful thing it is. We come to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And that war with God comes to an end. Not only are we hostile towards God, but we cannot please God. Told in verse 8, if you're living according to the flesh, you can't please God. It is impossible because you're living for yourself. Uh, we find that there's a great contrast here, and that has to do with those living according to the Spirit. We find that in verse 5, Paul says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who, who live according to the Spirit, we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. If you're here this morning and you are a Christian, you do not live according to the flesh. But, but the life force that works in you is the Holy Spirit of God. And you live for the Holy Spirit. You live for God. Do we do that perfectly? No, we don't. But the general course of our lifestyle is that we want to please God. We don't want to be at war with God. The unsaved mind, the fleshly mind, they don't care about pleasing God. The unsaved mind, the fleshly mind, people want to please themselves. But as Christians, we come to know Christ, we want to please God. We don't want to be in a battle against God. And we don't always please Him, because sometimes our sin nature still works on us, and we still yield to it. But generally, the course of our life, we care about pleasing God. If you're here this morning, and you don't give two hoots about pleasing God with your life as a whole, or any particular part of your life, you need to be seriously concerned about your spiritual condition. Because if you don't care about pleasing God, you can tell me all day long, I'm a Christian. I'm trusted in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. You know what? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They follow me. They want to follow me. They want to please me. If you're a Christian here this morning, you are spiritually minded, and you want to please God. That's what walking in the Spirit's all about. When it talks about walking in the Spirit, it's describing a, a saved person, a, a forgiving person, somebody who's been regenerated, given life by the Spirit of God. If you're a Christian this morning, you're, you're in the Spirit. If you're a Christian this morning, you're walking according to the Spirit. And when you're walking according to the Spirit, you don't have to be controlled by the flesh. And what a blessing it is to, to know that. We set our minds on the things of the Spirit. And when we think about what are the things of the Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit interested in, what's He care about? He cares about eternity. He cares about heaven. He cares about the will of God. 
the Holy Spirit cares about the souls of people. And uh, those things are important to us. And, and, and so if we're spiritually minded, we're not just living for this earth, we're living for heaven. Well, we're living for eternity, not just our brief period of time down here. If we're spiritually minded, we don't, we don't just care about the way that people look or what people do to us. When we see people, we see them as having an eternal soul and we recognize that that eternal soul is either going to heaven or it's going to hell, and we care about that. Holy Spirit cares about that. And if we're indwelt by the Spirit of God and we're spiritually minded, we care about that. And to be spiritually minded also then is to have, have life and peace. And, and have that, number one, to be spiritually alive. Instead of being spiritually dead, having no relationship with God, when we are spiritually minded, when we have the Spirit of God in our life as our helper, we find that we have a relationship with God. We care about God. We, we, we walk with God, and we, we care about His Word, and when what we, want to, we want to hear what He has to say. And we have, and this is great, peace with God. Instead of being hostile towards God and at war with God, we have peace with God. Now, 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 sometimes when we sin, the Holy Spirit does a job on us, and He convicts us of our sin, but then we don't necessarily fight the Spirit at that time. Hopefully, as we're convicted by the Spirit of God, we say, yeah, Lord, you're right. I, I, I'm sinning here. I'm not being what you want me to be. I'm not doing what you want me to be. And we repent of our sin, and we get back on the right place. And the Holy Spirit helps us to be able to please God. And you know what matters more than anything else in this world? Not how many people you please. Not who you please down here. The one person we better please is the Lord. The one person we better be able to hear one day have, and have him say, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to please our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit enables us to do that. Well, well, how can we know if we really have the Holy Spirit as our helper? Well, it's because of his connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. In, in verse 9, it, good news here. He talked about all the, the, the bad things that come along with, with walking in the flesh. But then in verse 9, he says to, Paul says to his, writer, to his readers, but you're not in the flesh. Good to know that. We're not walking in the flesh. We're not unforgiven, unregenerate, unsaved people if we know Christ the Savior. We're not in the flesh, but we are in the Spirit if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Good news. Whenever we become a Christian, it's not just you and me joining a club. It's not you and me joining a church. It's not you and me joining God's team. But when you repent of your sin and you take Christ as your Savior, a miracle of God happens. Something supernatural occurs. And one of the things that occurs is that the Holy Spirit of God comes and dwells within our bodies so that our bodies are called in 1 Corinthians 6 the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
God dwells within us. And, and the Bible tells us that happens the instant we trust Christ as Savior. Sadly, there, there, there are some that, that are a little bit off when it comes to some of these thoughts. And, and they, they say, well, you, you trust Christ as your Savior, but then at some later point, then you have to get the Holy Spirit. Well, some people pray to receive the Holy Spirit. Some people wait to receive the Holy Spirit. The New Testament teaches that the moment you trust Christ as your Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. He, number one, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, He baptizes us into the body of Christ. He makes us members of the universal church. It's a miracle of God. That, that's what holds us together. Our common bond that we have as Christians is the fact that we've been baptized into this body of Christ by the Spirit of God the moment we trusted Christ as Savior. In the Old Testament, the Jews had their, uh, their ethnicity, their, their, their background that they had in common. That's not what holds us together. Man, we come from all different kind of backgrounds, don't we? Uh, we come from different areas, and we've got uh, different heritages, and, and the thing that holds us together as, as believers in Christ is this baptizing ministry of the Spirit of God that brings us together into the church. I would imagine the, the group that went to Brazil, as they met Christians down in Brazil, found that there was still a connection there. I've had the opportunity to be in several foreign countries in my life, and one of the neat things is that true, Tim? Do I have it right? Yeah. You know what that was? That's the fact that you were all baptized, Brazilians and Americans, all baptized into the body of Christ. Is that right, Caleb? I have it right? That's, that's the, the baptizing ministry of the Spirit of God. He puts us together into that one group. And, and even, when there's, even when there's language differences, Portuguese as opposed to English and things like that, there, there's still a, a connection that's there. You can smile at each other. You can give each other a hug. You, you, you can learn some of, the, uh, some of the phrases in their language that uh, express our, 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 Christian, our Christian heritage that we share together. So the baptizing ministry of the Spirit takes place for every Christian. We're all baptized by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ. And we all are indwelt by the Spirit of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, therefore we ought to glorify God with our bodies. That's true of every Christian. It's not something we have to wait for. It comes at the moment of salvation. The Holy Spirit also comes into your life to seal you, to mark you as being God's, according to the Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we belong to God. We're His. We're protected. We're preserved by the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within us. By the way, when the Spirit of God dwells within us, He doesn't move out. He comes, he comes to stay. What a blessing that is to, to know we are in the Spirit and have the insurance of being indwelt by the Spirit of God. But you know, here's a terrible thing. If you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, you see what it says in the end of this ninth verse? Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to Jesus. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. But if you are a Christian, 
you do have the Holy Spirit. It's interesting the, the terminology that's used in this passage of Scripture. The, 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 the Holy Spirit's called the Holy Spirit. He's called the Spirit. He's called the Spirit of God. He's called the Spirit of Christ. Well, wh which is he? He's all of those. And all of those titles put together give you a real picture of the unity that exists in the triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they're all involved in our life as believers. And if you're here and you don't have the Holy Spirit, see what it says in this passage of Scripture? It says you don't belong to Jesus Christ. Because as soon as we trust Christ, we receive the Spirit of Christ. And He brings the presence of God into our lives and brings us into a wonderful relationship with Him. And then the, the condition, a wonderful condition, exists for those who have the Holy Spirit as helper. It's described in verses 10 and 11. Verse 10 says, if Christ is in you, well, how is Christ in us? Through the Holy Spirit. If Christ is in you, the body's dead. One thing we need to be aware of. Even when you're a Christian, your body is still mortal. If you're a Christian, you are in the process, and even if you're a Christian or a non-believer, your body is in the process of dying. Some of us are further down the road than others. But these bodies are mortal. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, God doesn't promise to give us immortality instantaneously the moment that we trust Christ. There are some things we do get the moment we get saved, and there are some things we don't. One thing we don't get the moment we get saved is immortal bodies. These bodies are aging. They're breaking down. Anybody aware of that this morning? Anybody have a severe breakdown this morning? physical breakdown almost didn't make it this morning anybody got any aches and pains today okay we got a few back here no aches and better sit on this side they got no aches and pains over here it must be the air our, our bodies are still mortal they're dying know this but it continues on they're they're dead why because of sin because of the curse we live in a sin cursed world we live in a fallen world and it's still something we contend with. But the Spirit, and I believe the Spirit here should be small s, because I think it's talking about our spirit. Even though our body is dying, our spirit is alive and continues to be alive and, and, and never stops being alive. Jesus said over in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall what? Shall never die. Well, we, we may die physically, but if you're alive and you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will never experience spiritual death. Good news for you this morning. But if you die physically, your soul's going to move out of your body. But your soul's never going to be separated from Jesus. Jesus is connected with us in our spirit right here, right now. And when death comes into the picture, Jesus is still there. That connection's still there. We're never on our own. Christ is always there with us. What did he promise? I will never leave you or forsake you. And that includes the time of physical death. So we, bodies are dying. 
spiritually in our spirit we're alive we have a relationship with God we know him we know his son the Lord Jesus we're forgiven we're, we're, we're being made like the Lord Jesus and becoming more and more like him day by day great thing even though we may be dying physically we're awake and alive spiritually over in, in 2 Corinthians 4 it talks about the fact that our, our outward man is doing what? It's wasting away. How about our inward man? How about our spirit? It's being renewed day by day. Now, some of the sweetest Christians that I've ever known, most like the Lord Jesus Christ of anybody I've ever come across, even when their bodies are severely broken down, they're so beautiful because they walk so closely with the Lord and know him so well and they've grown in their relationship with him because they're alive spiritually and they'll never die spiritually that's pretty good news isn't it that's pretty good news even though our bodies are dying one of these days they'll write something on your death certificate they're dying he may go in a long prolonged process or it may be quick we don't know sometime it'll happen but, but the good news is we, we continue to be alive spiritually. Our spirit is alive. It, it's, it's in a relationship with God. That's pretty good news. It gets even better. Gets even better. If you look at verse 11, it goes on. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The Holy Spirit gave Jesus resurrection life after the crucifixion if he dwells in us notice what it says it says he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to what to your mortal body one of these days even these bodies will be changed the Holy Spirit of God's going to do that I'm kind of hoping he does it at the rapture for all of us at the same time would you vote for that your boat doesn't mean a thing. It's all about God's timing. I, 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 I would long for it to be at the rapture as we all go together. But it may not be. We may have to walk through that, that deep, dark valley. We may have to experience physical death. But the good news is that that's not something that lasts. Because one of these days, he's going to take these mortal bodies and he's going to transform them. And they will be incorruptible. They will be immortal. And they will be like the resurrection body of the Lord Jesus Christ. How's that going to happen? Holy Spirit of God's going to do it. It's going to be a great miracle. You looking forward to that? You talk about an instant makeover. Man, there's an instant makeover for you. It'll be great. And we'll enjoy that tremendously. Uh, he who raised Christ of the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. How's it happen? Through his spirit through his Holy Spirit who dwells in you. You're a Christian here this morning? Good news. You're indwelt by the Spirit of God. He gives you spiritual life right here, right now, and one of these days, he's even going to raise your body from the dead. What a helper, huh? What a helper. I kind of like a helper like that. I am thankful for a helper like that. And the only way to have the Holy Spirit as our helper is to know Jesus as our Savior. 
good news if you know Christ as your Savior you automatically get the Holy Spirit at the same moment you trust Christ as your Savior they come together it's not having Jesus but later getting the Holy huh -uh. they come together at the same time and if you've got Christ you've got the Holy Spirit of God as your helper and here's another thing he wants to help us right here right now to live victoriously to be good Christian fathers to be godly men to be believers who are victorious in our walk with the Lord and the way to maximize the help of the Spirit in our lives is to focus our attention on the Word of God what is the Word of God called in Scripture it's called the sword of the Spirit you know having the right tools to work with makes all the difference when you do a job doesn't it and we need to give the Holy Spirit the tools to work with in our lives to help us really grow in our walk with him we need to focus our attention on the Word of God and keep our attention focused on the Lord Jesus Christ because one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to do he wants to glorify Jesus he wants to glorify him what a helper aren't you glad for the help that God provides and he's here for every single believer if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as Savior you need help you need help you need the Spirit's help and you can have it by putting your trust in Christ you can be forgiven you can be redeemed you can be made a child of God but it all comes down to what are we doing with Jesus and if you're a Christian this morning you can walk out of here so encouraged so enthused you're going out into that wicked old world out there but good news you got help you got help best help you can ever imagine Heavenly Father help us to appreciate the help that, that you've provided for us in the Spirit of God and your Son the Lord Jesus Christ thank you for the forgiveness that we can have thank you Lord for the blessing of being able to, to live to to please you to not be hostile towards you anymore but to walk in fellowship with you as our Heavenly Father as we are your child God help us to do that and I pray if there's anybody with us this morning that doesn't know Christ as Savior I pray the Spirit of God would convict them uh, of their sin and their need of a Savior I pray they might even embrace Christ as their Savior today we'll give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus name Amen